Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truths and lessons God has given us through His Word in our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate each and every single one of you, and let's begin. Well, today we're going to be focusing on Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 17. We'll see how hard we can get. And this is a study where uh, the title pretty much speaks for itself. Put this on instead. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Would you want to wear dirty, nasty old clothes that have been sitting in dumpster for several years i think the answer is a big resounding no Uh, we would not do that and we would not want anything to do with that so those clothes are metaphorical and that resembles and symbolizes our life without christ and we're going to find out that out here in just a minute. So verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles with you today, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. And if you want uh, more in-depth information on this, uh, please go to um, my podcast. You can find it on my profile. And I did a whole Colossians series, uh, book study series on that. So you can go check that out. But this this study today, chapter three is, it's just one of those chapters that is full of promise, but it's also uh, warning you and really telling you how to go about life. So, and I have to apologize for my audio right now. Um, we're out of town and I did not bring my uh, regular headset with me. So it's, it sounds a little bit kind of like back in the old days. So I appreciate your patience. So with that being said, we're in Colossians chapter three, verse five. Listen to this. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body. Now these are people, now this is talking about believers here. So believers, this is on you now. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. So, sons of disobedience... That just means anybody who does not walk with the Lord, who walks against his will. So, again, this, uh, the straight question is, is that you? Is that me? But we're not supposed to use the members of our earthly bodies to perform evil deeds. We're supposed to, supposed to understand that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. They are to be treated as such, and a temple um, is supposed to be a sacred place, and 
if our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that means that how are you conducting that temple? Because you remember when Jesus saw that his his house, his father's house at that point was treated as a as a market where they were doing all sorts of just wicked things in there. Well, he overturned the moneylenders' tables because they were not treating it with the holiness that it it demands. So, how are you treating your temple? Are you making it sacred and holy because the Holy Spirit dwells within you? That's the question. So, as we're looking at verse 5, consider the members of our earthly body as dead to those things, to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Again, which amounts to idolatry. And we all know how God feels about idolatry. And it's because of those things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. In verse 7, it says, and in them, you also once walked, but you were living in them. So this is what we were talking about through our first John study series on here is that we are going to fail and fall short for sure. That's going to happen if you're a Christian. I don't care if you're in it for 20 years or 20 minutes. You are going to stumble and you're going to fall at times. But here, when it says, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them, we continually practiced it. It was a habit. It was habitual. It was something that we were known for. And now we are no longer under that kind of slavery to that sin or sins. But now we're free from that. And we try our absolute best to walk in obedience to God. And we will stumble along the way. But we no longer live habitually in sin. Because what the Bible will do through the Holy Spirit, because one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to convict the world of sin. That's one of his responsibilities is to convict the world of sin. So if you're in the Bible and you're a believer and you're just, because that's what you do when you become a believer, you get in the word and you stay in it and you try to, you try to figure out what pleases God, what displeases God. You look at the promises, you look at the truth, you look how transformative it's going to make you. And here you are doing these things and you look, you're like, whoa, I have to do that. I have to give this up. Okay, Lord. And you do that. And then you will have, when you work for so long on this and, you know, you stumble and stumble and stumble, you know, it, it happens to the best of us. And 
the biggest key in verse seven is not to walk in your sins any longer. You are now no longer doing that sin and thinking that's okay. You don't even give it, don't even give it a second thought. Now, what you're doing is you kind of have this internal sin radar, if you will, or sin detector, and you mess up because that's something you're trying to break. And you're like, oh, I, I did it again. I sinned against God. I'm so sorry, Lord. I know better. I'm sorry. You ask for forgiveness in his name and he'll forgive you. And then you're going to try again. And guess what? You're probably going to mess up with that again. It's the way things go. But you don't treat it as something in disregard. So verse 8 says, but now you also put them all aside. What are we going to put aside? Here we go. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Now, the question I asked you for the, in the very, very beginning of this study is, would you put on old, nasty, rotten clothes from a dumpster that have been sitting there for years and wear them out to public or wear, wear that to your wedding? How about that? Wear that to a family gathering? Wear it to a job interview? The answer would be obviously no. There's no way I would do that. That's what we do when we walk in disobedience. That's that's when it says in verse eight, but now you also put them all aside. Putting thing putting your old nature aside, that is taking off those nasty, sinful, dirty, stinking clothes. Because sin is putrid, it is vile, it is evil, and those are the things God hates. He hates sin. So we take that those things off. What are we taking off? Well, let's go back to verse 5, and then we'll hit verse 8 and 9. Here's what we're going to take off. He's the old self. This is what we used to be. We take off immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, idolatry. Now, what else we got? We got a long list here. Putting them all aside. What are we putting aside? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Now, you can find some more, uh, some more things from... Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. But these are a pretty long list. Now, the question is, is does any of those things in those categories match you? Are you doing those things in practice? Are, are you making those things a part of your life? And that is a very difficult question because 
the answer, if you're being honest with yourself, is yes. And really hard to look at yourself in the mirror. And any one of these sins can be, and this is what's difficult, any one of those sins can be an idol. It's easy to put sin above God. It's a whole other different thing. You put him above those idols. And that's what believers do. The Holy Spirit tells us to put Christ where he needs to be. And that's on the throne. See, the thing is, is people say those things, but he's already on the throne. You need to confess him as your Lord. When he says not to do something, it's for your own benefit. So you hear a lot of these all things here from verse 5 to verse 9. These are not good things for your life. These will tear down and destroy your life. So what ought we to do? We ought to be in obedience to him to stop them, turn in repentance to him, confess the things that we've done wrong, confess them as your Lord, and, and move on from that point. So again, this is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit working, working within you. Because that's why I said to you, this is, you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we need to kind of clean that out a little bit. And we cannot do that ourselves. We do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what he does is he reminds us of the things Jesus says in scripture. He illuminates the scripture so we can understand it. And he helps us live that Christian life that we cannot live on our own strength. That's power. So here's other things that we need to do. So those, when it says in verse 9, to um, lay aside the old self, again, that's talking about taking off those nasty old clothes that we have on, those sinful, vile, putrid, terrible aroma smells type of clothes we cast those off and we don't put them in our closet because well you know i like to i don't know i like to slander at times I, I like to abuse people with my speech from my mouth because people tell me i'm doing something wrong or people tell me you know something i don't like i'm gonna i'm just gonna cuss them out I, i'm gonna kind of save that one in my back pocket so i'm gonna put that clothing here or what about um passions you know i see someone i want i go get it or i see something that it's opposed to god but i'm gonna go get it anyway so i'm gonna hang that in my closet no what we're supposed to do we're supposed to take those old sinful clothes that have the aroma of death and we we lay those aside and we never return to them again it's like you shouldn't do this, but, uh, you know, it's like taking those, taking those clothes, throwing them off to the side of the road. Or probably what you should do is, you know, start a fire and burn them. That's what you should do. You should burn them. 
but we don't do that. We hold on to our sins. Why? Because that is our nature. Our nature is sinful. We gravitate towards this, the sinful things of this life. And now you are starting to transform into the image of Jesus Christ. And you're no longer conforming to the pattern of this world. Romans 12, 2. So now let's get to the good stuff. Here's these nice, beautiful, spotless, great smelling clothes, spiritual clothes you're going to put on, okay? Verse 10. And have put on the new self who is being renewed. Say the new self is who? Us. Us in Christ, who are being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Ah, several times, several times in scripture, we're finding out that we are going to be, we're trying to be conformed to the image of the one who created him. We're, we're going to be, we're supposed to be transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of a believer. And a lot of times Christians don't have that concern. They don't have that drive. They don't have that desire. Let that not be said of us. Now here it is. Back to verse 10. And I put on the new self, which is being renewed. Okay, we're being renewed, people, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. But a lot of False teachers out there that do not teach you true knowledge. That's why I only teach out of the Bible. Because I'm not making up stories or different things and pulling things out of context. It's all right here. We are going to be remade and renewed. And that's happening. If you're a believer, that's happening to you as we speak. And that renewal takes a long time. That is called sanctification as a process of being made holy. Now listen to verse 11, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is in all and in all. Christ is all and in all. So there's no distinction. There's, there's, no, there's no differences anymore. We are all in Christ. We are all one. We all serve Jesus Christ. Verse 12, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, oh, 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 here it is, ready? Put on. Ah, see? Going back to verse 8, put them all aside. Okay. Verse 9, lay aside the old self. And now we're at verse 12. So if you are a believer, this is said of you. You are chosen of God. It's powerful. The God who created all things. The trees, the birds, the sun, the moon, the stars, all these things. The universe. He created all these things. But verse 12. You have been chosen of God. 
powerful. So not only are you chosen of God, but you're holy and beloved. You're not holy because, holy because you made yourself holy. It's because you are made holy because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. You can look up 2 Corinthians 5.21. So since we're chosen of God and holy and beloved, here it is. Put on, here we go, a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, everything I just spoke of from verse 10 to verse 13, beyond all those things, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. And you can read the definition of love, the true definition of love, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, Spe specifically 4 through 8. So that is what we're looking at here. Now, when you go back here, just for a moment, to study these out. Here's what it says. Put on a heart of compassion. Compassion means pity, favor, grace, mercy. Now listen to this. A deep feeling about someone's difficulty or misfortune. Do you have a deep feeling about someone's difficulty or misfortune? When you see somebody walk on the side of the road... And they're holding up a sign that says homeless, please, anything helps. Uh, is your heart so hard that you just look and discuss and say, why can't you just get a job? Why, 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 why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way? It's not that hard. Look at me. I'm driving a BMW. I'm fine. I had a hard life too. Is that you? Maybe not with a BMW, but is that you? Or we see, we're driving down the road and we see someone literally yelling at absolute nothing and it's because they're, they're on drugs or they're, um, they're drunk. Are we looking at them with pity? Are we looking at them as the mission field? Christians, hello? Talking to you? Are you looking upon them with compassion that you want to show them grace by sharing the gospel with them? Or are you just casting down judgment saying, I'm glad I'm not like them? The more you realize that people are not just sinners, but they're admission fields, that's going to change your perspective on everything. So instead of looking at these people who a lot of times people say are sketchy, or now we don't like to say the whole entire word, we'll just say sketch. Do you look upon them as the mission field? 
or, or a reviled sinner. Because if you look at them in that respect, you are just like a Pharisee. But if you look upon them in love with the thought process of, boy, I wonder if they're saved. And gosh, they're going through such a hard time. They, they really need the love of Christ right now. Because honestly, that's what Jesus did for us. None of us who are, who are believers deserve his mercy, deserve his grace. And that's what we're saved by. Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by grace through faith. Not at works, not lest any man should boast. So again, it's nothing that we've done. It's what God has done. He has, he has chosen us. He's given us a gift of faith and a desire to pursue him. And if you're listening to this message right now, you're listening to scripture, you know that God is drawing you to himself. And you, and you, here's the thing. I use those examples of being a drug addict or um, a drunk or whatever it is, a homeless person on the side of the street. We look upon that. But here's, you know, sometimes they know their, uh, they know their destiny at, at that point. Sometimes they, they understand the depravity that they're living in. Do you? Do you? Do you look upon yourself as someone who's righteous and holy and you have all the answers and you're above everybody else? Do you look upon yourself as a sinner? Do you look upon yourself as someone who, uh, who sins nailed Jesus to the cross? And that despite his, his mercy that he's shown to you, that you show that kind of mercy back to other people? Is that you? Tough questions to ask, but it, it, it needs to be asked. And it needs to be asked over and over and over again. So do you show compassion? That was just compassion. Kindness. Remember when we talked about kindness on our love, our love study the other day? Kindness is in full service to one another. Boy, if you see those homeless people inside the street, are you are you bringing them meals? Are you clothing them? Are you sharing the gospel with them? Offering you, or excuse me, offering them some kind of comfort and relief? Yes, I know there at times there are some con artists out there that can do that stuff. For sure. But I mean, come on. What's it, what's it gonna matter? What's it gonna matter? If you give if you give a meal to them or some money and they go buy it on alcohol or uh, they throw your meal down and, and they and they only want money, uh, that gift is not for them. That gift is to honor God. So so do we do those things? Are we humble in mind? So the next one's humility. Do we practice humility? And I read this the other day, and I read it on purpose. I'm going to read it again because it's one of my favorite scriptures, and it's, it's one of the things that I truly live by. And I have this outside of my door in my classroom for a reason. 
Um, not so that the kids can read it, so that the adults can read it. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. There, that, to me, <laughs> is the definition of humility. Do you regard people more important than yourself? Do you look out for the interests of others more than you look out for your own? Odds are it's, it's a hard thing to do because every, everybody on this planet, it seems like, is saying, you got to take care of yourself first. You got to take care of yourself first. You got to take care of yourself first. Well, I, I do agree in some respects with that, where you need to look out for your own salvation and work on that first. But that kind of that kind of love that you were shown by God needs to be displayed on full display to everybody. So that's something to take in consideration. So we looked at humility. And now, so we looked at a couple things so far. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Are you gentle? Are you gentle with people? Are you gentle with the way you respond to people? Are you gentle in the way you handle things? Now, this is a, a proates. I hope I say that right in the Greek. It's, it's a feminine noun, which is also derived from the root Pra, emphasizing the divine origin of, of meekness, okay? So meekness just means gentle strength, which is actually kind of cool, which expresses power with reserve and gentleness. So again, there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing that says anywhere that Masculinity must not be gentle. That being a man's man means that you are not gentle. Um, I don't like fake tough people. I don't like people that try to act tough and try to like, oh, I don't show emotion. I don't, I don't do this. I don't do that. So therefore I'm a man and you need to get up to my level. Um, you are these these characteristics that you're reading with me. These these are the mark of true manhood and also womanhood. That's what it is. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and here here is the here's the big kicker: patience. Are you patient with people? Are you patient with people? You have patience when the world tells you, okay, it's time to, you gotta stop being patient now. It, that's, it, it's just going too far. Because we are to regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So the word patience also means long suffering. Says, waiting sufficient time before expressing anger. This avoids the premature use of force, like retribution that rises out of improper anger. Gosh, people get so angry so fast today. 
Wait, it's so angry so fast. I'm visiting my sister and uh, and her her kids. And boy, there's a lot of angry hostile drivers driving on the side road. This guy turns right, goes out into the middle of the road, not just on his side, goes out into the very, very middle of the road that has to force me to stop. Looks at me with anger, stares me down as we're passing each other by, going opposite directions, and gives me the finger. <laughs> I look back, and I start laughing. And I said, really? I mean, this guy couldn't have been five foot five, and probably in his late 50s, early 60s. I'm like, really, guy? Now, you cut me off and forced me to stop. Because if I kept going, you would have hit me. And you give me that? Come on now. And that's just a minor example. But it goes, it goes to show you the madness of this world. And people think that we're, stri we're making better strides than we ever are in history. I got news for you. Um, spiritually, we are not. We are those old, dead grave clothes that we talked about. That's how people act. You get some that are really that that are cool and nice, and they, you know, they have some gentleness in them. But a lot of times, people are just so angry. They just just look at people's faces. They're, they're so angry, and they're hurting, and they're like, "Gosh, this life sucks." Everything's terrible. But we need to, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has complained against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Do you bear with one another? Do you endure with him? Do you suffer with him? I mean, still bearing up, even after going through the needed sequence, the course of action, you're still hanging with them. This person could have just failed and fall a thousand times. You're still hanging with them. Are you bearing with people? Show them that, that this is the right way. Or are you the kind of type of person that when someone steps out of line, you're calling them a sinner and you're, they're going to go to hell the minute they step out of line? That's, you know what? Part of that could be true. Are you patient with them? Are you guiding them along? Are you showing them the right way? Are you using gentle words to respond to them? Or are you just harsh with people? We're not supposed to be. Bearing with one another is also an aspect of patience and kindness. And if you don't have one of these, you don't have them all. You cannot have compassion and have pride instead of humility. Pride will not allow you to be compassionate. Pride will not allow you to be kind. Pride will not be gentle or patient. So if you lose one of these, you lose them all. And a lot of these are the definitions of love found in 1 Corinthians 13. So we bear with one another in verse 13. 
forgiving each other. How many times we ought to forgive? 70 times seven. All the time, always. No matter what people have done to us, we forgive. Easier said than done. And then, just as the Lord forgive us, we also forgive other people. So people have a complaint against you for something that's completely wrong and false. You forgive them anyway. Verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love. Everything that we just read from, from the very beginning of this chapter till now. Beyond all these things that we read, that the new self we put on, I should say, actually, from verse 9 till now, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. A lot of people unite for sinful things. A lot of people unite for like-minded things. Um, and, and so their bond is not because of love. It's bonded because of a certain common interest. But as believers, we need to be all putting on love. So that's the perfect bond of unity that Jesus so, so much wants for us. He wants us to be united in his spirit, in his teachings, in his love. And far too often, we just don't do that. We associate ourselves with a church. We associate ourselves with the things we wear the cars we have, the mutual friends, the job we work at, but we do, we're not bonded in unity and love. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ, he has perfect peace with him. Let that peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. So if you are on the edge, if you're stressed if you're burdened and you feel like you're just kind of on the edge and you don't know what to do it's probably because you don't have the peace of christ ruling in your heart right now i'll be honest with you on vacations which i'm at right now uh, a lot of times i'd be a high strung mess and uh I told myself this time because I failed so many times, Lord, I'm done. I want to trust and rely on you. And so far it's been really good. And all those times I've wasted, but I didn't waste those because they were they were lessons. He's trying to teach me, hey, it's okay. I, some of the things you, you're worrying about, they are legitimate, but I got them in control. I am sovereign. I am God. Let my peace rule in your heart. And I wouldn't allow it. We have to allow it. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Don't you want peace? Who doesn't, who doesn't want peace? You want that peace that goes beyond all understanding? All understanding? Don't you want that? Are you tired of just cutting things off of your life just because for the sake of peace, but you know, you really can't cut it off because it has to be a part of your life anyway. It's just, it's easy to do. And the world is stressful. The world is, is full of high-strung uh, people who are burnt out to the max in their jobs. They're, they treat people 
like garbage because they're so high strung, they don't think straight. Families are mean to one another, hurtful, brutal, will not talk to one another, hold grudges. Jesus could come and, and break down that dividing barrier wall. But more importantly, he has already done that to your heart. Or he can. See, sin makes us hostile with God. Completely hostile. And God absolutely abhors the wicked. That's strong language. So as we start to conclude, here's what we need to know. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the word of God completely saturate your soul. Let the word of God take every ounce and fiber of you and transform it into something beautiful, something holy, something righteous. Now, whose image are we supposed to be conformed into and transformed into? Jesus' image. That needs to be the number one desire of your heart. And if it's not, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. If your desire is not to be more like Christ, you're, 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 you need to shift your focus back onto him. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And we kind of are going to read this backwards a little bit. So how are we supposed to do these things, Nate? How are we supposed to do that? Well, Verses one through four is how we're going to end this. So it's kind of weird. We started with five, read all the way through 17. Now we're going to start or end one through four. Listen to this. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. That, that's, a, that's a divine persistence. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Don't seek him where he's not. He's not in the world. He's not in certain churches. He's not, he has nowhere to be found in places on earth that we know good and well he ain't there. Where is he? He's in heaven. Seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where he's at. How do we seek him? Keep seeking the things above, like what? fruits of the Holy Spirit. Those wonderful qualities found in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5. They're there. Putting on the full, full armor of God. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. But those are the things that we need to do. Those are the things that, that's seeking things above. Those are heavenly things. So that's one way. What about verse 2? Set your mind on things above not of the things that are on earth. That's what, you set your, that's what you set your mind on that. 
set your focus. Take it from this spot where you're focusing on now that's full of stress, full of anxiety, full of worry, full of despair, and put it to where it needs to be. And that is in Jesus Christ. Put it on him. That's what you need to set your mind. And how do we do that? We go back to verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Saturate yourself with the word of God. I'll be honest, on this uh, vacation, uh, we're staying at a hotel and it has a hot tub, which is awesome because my foot was bothering me the other day and it really helped it out. Um, but I wasn't thinking straight. I was distracted. I got into the hot tub with my shirt on. And what do you think happened to that shirt? I was halfway in it. What happened? Well, the top half was dry. The bottom was completely drenched. Or a word I like to use a lot now is saturated. It was saturated. And that's how we need to be with the word of God. That needs to richly dwell within you. That needs to soak all the way in. You can't just you can't just get this with head knowledge. And as a trickle down to your renewed heart in Christ, and that that way it can transform you into more into His image. Verse three: For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And verse four: When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Amen. That's where we're going to end it today. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps each and every single one of you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you all.